Hi everyone, welcome to Save the Track Bike, the fixed gear cycling podcast. I'm your host, Joshua. On today's episode, I got Kira McVitie. She's an elite cyclist, a YouTuber. From what I can tell, a really nice person. So go check out her YouTube. It's super funny. And listen to our conversation. We get into Red Hook. We get into her YouTube channel. We get into cameras and her bike, which is a super rad bike. It's a Weiss. I'll leave a link to them. Uh, Yeah, they make cool looking stuff. I'm going to I'm going to try to save up and get one of those things. But yeah, definitely give this episode a listen and enjoy. Hello. I'm here with Kira McVitie from All Kinds of Bike Racing and YouTube. And yeah, do you want to introduce yourself and talk about what you do? Yeah, so hello everyone. I'm Kira McVitie. I am a 22-year-old bike racer. I race roads, a little bit of track, and fixed gear crits. Yeah, I've been racing since I was 12 years old. I started off doing time trials and road racing and got into track a little bit later and since Red Hook Crit came to London that's when I started fixed gear crits and I haven't really looked back since it's just because cycling has just become an integral part of my life I suppose nice so uh, I was just kind of watching those uh uh your videos you did with your dad <laughs> yeah yeah he's a funny character so good I'm assuming that that's uh, kind of how you got into cycling was through your family and yeah so I if you if if you've seen those videos basically my dad talks about the fact that i'm actually a fourth generation cyclist so he my dad raised his dad and then so my great granddad raced so it sort of came from him um and that's sort of how each generation has gotten into it they've sort of learned from from their dad and yeah so him and my mum both raced and that's sort of how I got into it. So they started the local cycling club in my village. Uh, gosh, when was it? I can't remember exactly, but yeah. So they started the local cycling club and I, I did the sort of, we call it like go ride, which is sort of learning how to race and like cyclocross skills and that sort of thing. And yeah, once, I, once I'd started racing, I was, I was hooked really. Oh, that's awesome. So you got your start doing time trials and stuff. And so how did that kind of lead on to getting interested in fixed gear crit racing and kind of what was your first experience with fixed gear in general? So I have to start from the beginning really. So yeah. like I said, my my parents started the local cycling club and that's when I they, they organized local time trials. So from probably 12 to 14, I, I did the odd time trial. I rode the club rides on a Sunday, but I didn't wasn't really training as hard as I do now, for example. It was just, you know, a couple of times a week, just out with my parents and having having a good time, really. Um, when I was 14, I started riding at Welling Garden City, which is a local velodrome to me. It's just an out, it's a huge outdoor track, and that's sort of where I learned how to how to you know race on the velodrome i learned a lot more about bunch skills and that sort of thing 
and I started racing road a bit more seriously and I think it was at this point when I was about 14 that I I got asked to represent my region for track cycling and road cycling and that's what really sort of brought me on and sort of gave me a first insight into that higher level sort of elite world and you know I, I began doing like the national series and sort of the bigger races that you can do when you're that sort of age and that's sort of how I how I ended up racing so seriously uh when I was when I was like 15 or 16 I was national road race champion which was quite cool and then I sort of fell away from it a bit when I was a junior but once when I was 18 I started riding the track again with Brixton Cycles uh and yeah I think when I was 18 was the first time that Red Hook Crit came to London and I, I was due to do a road race actually but it got cancelled last minute and it happened to be that Red Hook Crit was on the same day and I was like well you know I'd like to race and I knew that one of my friends uh Joe Smith was racing so I ended up doing that and then yeah I haven't really looked back <laughs> I just remember the first time that I went into the first corner of my first red hook and I was like, really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was quite a unique experience. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I kind of want to get into that. What was that first race like and, and how yeah. did you do and kind of what can people expect if they are thinking about going and doing red hook? Yeah, so I mean, I up to that point, I'd ridden a fixed gear on a on a velodrome, which is obviously completely different. You have no, there's no real turning, or you know, you're just going in a straight line, and it's all about speed. Whereas, I got on, I borrowed a bike from a friend who'd been racing the series already, and you know, he said, you know, this is how you do it. Don't worry too much. You'll get used to it just follow the person in front of you essentially was the, was the, uh, <laughs> was what he told me. And, um, yeah, so I was on a borrowed bike. I'd never ridden a fixed gear crit, let alone ridden a fixed gear on the road at all. And I don't really know. I suppose I was 18, a little bit fearless and I, I knew a lot about racing and I raced crits before. So I knew I could get the bike round. It was just the fixed gear element that was, that was unknown territory. And yeah, like I say, I, I just remember the start and we went absolutely flat out into that first corner and I just took a big deep breath and you get around it and then yeah I think I finished I think I was ninth maybe in my first red hook nice. but uh, I mean I, I, I remember that a group of five broke away because there was a crash and I just happened to be a little bit far back in the group but to be honest I was just glad to stay upright <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah make it through and because I did all right, I ended up getting sponsorship and I ended up doing the whole rest of the series and the year after raced the complete series, including Brooklyn. So, That's so yeah, awesome. it's been, it, it, it was unexpected. Seems as I just did it because I fancied doing a race and I wasn't really, you know, I hadn't really set my sights on doing the whole thing, but yeah. That's what just that's what happened. That's awesome. So, how many years have you done Red Hook now, and what was your best season? Oh, interesting. So, <laughs> or maybe even your favorite, even if it wasn't like best placement. Or so, I think my best season in terms of results was the twenty fifteen to twenty 
2015 season, I think. Wait, no. What year are we on? 2017. Uh, we're That's just, yeah, 2015 yeah. season. Okay. Um, so that was would have been my second year of racing Red Hook. And I think at that point, you know, I'd already done a year. So I'd done three rounds and I was doing the full series and I sort of had a bit more confidence. You know, I'd gotten used to these sorts of races and it was my first ever experience in Brooklyn and racing there was awesome. I'd never been to America at all before that. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy. And I ended up, not not really to plan, I ended up going into Milan, which is the last round, being only one or two points off the championship lead, which was insane compared to, you know, the year before. And unfortunately, I had a bit of a mechanical in Milan. And, yeah, I ended up finishing fourth in the series, which was a bit disappointing since I'd been so close. But yeah. I think that, you know, the whole podium was well-deserved and... I just really enjoyed the fact that I was in the race and, you know, able to challenge for preens and get get really stuck in at the front end of the race. Yeah, mechanical's so annoying because <laughs> yeah. it's like nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, such things happen, but you, you yeah. move on and, and uh, yeah, learn from it, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so what other kind of crit series have you done uh as far as fixed gear goes or have you done any other ones because i know there's a there's a pretty thriving scene out there isn't there in terms of fixed gear in the uk i've not done a lot i've done a couple of minute crits which are at hillingdon cycle circuit um on the west in the west of london so i've sort of dabbled with the odd crit here and there in the uk i've been and done some of the dutch cup crits which are really awesome uh, it's called something like vast for set but Bacal or something, but <laughs> they just call it NL Crit or something yes, like that. Yes. Um, and yes, I had a bit of experience of racing fixed gear crits out there. And yeah, so I mean, predominantly I've done Red Hook Crit, but I've sort of dabbled. You know, I'd love to do some of the rad races this coming year. Oh, I um, do those so bad. Yeah, as I've not really had a chance, but it, it's quite difficult fitting it in with my road racing season. So I just. Uh, yeah, I just have to work it in around that. So that generally means that I end up doing mainly red hooks rather than focusing on anything else. Absolutely. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the NL Crit Series? Um, I just posted the dates for those, and I don't know, it just seems like a really cool series that's going on. And, yeah, I mean... And so far, I've only really, I've only really in- interviewed people from the U.S., and we've covered a lot of the races here, so i just like to uh-huh. get a global yeah, perspective. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I think there's a lot of um, fixed gear crits happening in Europe, and I think the NL series is probably one of the most organized organized series that there is. There's so many races, there's separate races for women, there's a massive fixed gear scene there. And I think, you know, there is a big scene in the UK, but I just think that because Holland is so near to like Belgium and Germany and it's quite easy for a lot of the European riders to get to. It just seems a little bit better supported than the we, than what we get here, you know, being a distant island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's a really friendly series. I've only done, I've only actually done one round of the NL Crit series uh, of late, but yeah, they, they have many rounds actually. I think, huh. I think it's the biggest Crit series maybe there is for fixed gear. Yeah, I think they have like six or seven dates, maybe. It's wild, yeah. which is really yeah. cool. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I kind of feel you, though, because I live in the U.S. and, uh, I mean, in the middle of the U.S., and there's a ton of fixed gear racing on the coasts. But whenever yeah. you get to the middle of the country, there's not much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's all yeah, about having to I travel. Know got, like, I know they've got, like, Mission Crit and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and obviously Red Hook Crit. But like you say, yeah, there's not there's not a lot for the middle, or at least you know, I've not heard of any. Yeah, there's some bigger ones happening on the West Coast now. So there's the SoCal Fix Series in like uh, in Southern California, and then um, Bone Machine is coming back, which is in Portland, uh, and that's supposed to be pretty big, actually. And yeah, it seems like there's a lot more happening though. There's like a series that's really taking off in Chicago, so that's like in the middle of the country as well. So I think it's growing a lot here. Um, but yeah, I definitely like see all those races in Germany and and <laughs> and like the Rafa Nocturne yeah. and like all that stuff looks really. Oh fun. yeah, that was. I was recently in Copenhagen actually. I didn't I didn't have a chance to do the the Rafa Nocturne when it went there, but it looked awesome. And the the one in London is is an excellent excellent race. Yeah, it looked really cool. I was watching a bunch of. Well, I I think it was actually maybe Francis Cade's videos that I saw yeah, yeah. those on. Which is actually how I found your YouTube channel as well. So, <laughs> uh, got you. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Francis is, is great. He documents a lot of brilliant races, fixed gear races, road races, all sorts of cycling uh, content. Yeah, definitely. It was funny because I actually heard about him because I messaged a random podcast I listened to and was like, "Hey, talk about how to train for fixed gear crits." <laughs> And uh, he did that and then recommended me to watch Francis's channel. So it's funny. It all comes around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've known Francis since before we even started YouTube. It's, it's a small world, really. Yeah. Um, I used to live in southwest London. Um, we used to go out training together quite a few times with, uh, sometimes with Lawrence Carpenter, who also has a YouTube channel now. It's kind yeah. of a small world. It's, and I find it quite funny how we've all ended up doing making videos <laughs> <laughs> i'm about to start doing that this race season in the u.s so i was like there needs to oh, be yeah, some more make, coverage make here yeah awesome i'm a filmmaker so i was like oh i should uh you should probably get inspired on it. Yeah, yeah being inspired by all you guys i was like okay maybe i need I to do that do here <laughs> yeah no that'd be awesome you'll have to let me know what it what you decide to call it i think i'm just gonna stick everything under the save the track bike banner <laughs> yeah true true it is a good one yeah, I was surprised nobody owned the domain. I keep telling everybody that. I was like, I don't know. I went to go buy the domain, and it was there. Oh, easy peasy. Yeah, savethetrackbike.com. Who would have known? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, talk about how your YouTube channel came about, actually. Well, so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. So I used to make sort of short films for my dad and when I was younger, just like fun films, just not really for anyone, really, and... I think the first film that I remember making distinctly was I made one for Father's Day called like Bad Dad or something, and <laughs> I can't really remember the main story line, but essentially it was it was. <laughs> so do you remember like Microsoft Paint and you could yeah. make like, yeah. get like photos and like draw stuff around them and anyway, so so I ha- didn't even film anything. It was just made up of like slides and music and you know rotating pictures and that sort of thing (laughs) and 
and and all I remember is that Bad Dad was, uh, you know, he was the most evil whatever, evil villain in the land. But <laughs> his one fatal weakness was lemons for some reason. <laughs> I think it was because I found a picture of a lemon. I was like, oh yes, this could be his undoing. <laughs> so, so that was my first adventure into sort of filmmaking, although. I, I think I find it hard to call it filmmaking. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so I made I made quite a few short films like that, just just on Windows Movie Maker and that sort of thing. And yeah, when I was at college, so I studied a foundation art and design diploma, which is essentially a year course between like A levels and university. Which is sort of how old would I have been? So I'd have been like eighteen, nineteen. When I uh, when I did that course, anyway, so the whole part of this course is you do a little bit of art, a little bit of textiles, a little bit of film, and you you essentially learn all the creative skills, and you have like little workshops into each, and that's sort of when I refound filmmaking, I suppose, and I made a short film based on a poem <laughs> or something like that, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I I, I learned how to use Adobe Premiere, which is what I edit edit on now. And that sort of, I was like, oh, making films is like, it kind of took me back to those sort of childhood moments of making funny films. And and then, you know, I, I, I sort of got more and more into it as I was doing, as I was doing this course. So after that, I actually, um, so I've been racing this whole time whilst I was at college and, and, uh, and yeah, I think, gosh, how did I been? So I started my YouTube channel a year ago and the reason I started it initially was to document my first year as a professional racer. So I kind of was in discussion with my mum, like, oh, you know, women's cycling, it doesn't get as much press. You know, what can I actually do about it? I can't really speak about it in, and say it's rubbish and there's no money in it. Like, that's not fair to do that. And I don't, you know, I don't want... I don't want my sponsors to have bad press or, you know, the women's cycling scene to have bad press. I was like, okay, how can I positively impact women's cycling and how can I get people to hear about it? And sort of concluded that I could document what I was doing and that would maybe help in some way. And so it just sort of started as a way for me to share what I was doing and share these races because a lot of the races that I ended up documenting and vlogging about, you couldn't actually see any race results on the TV. You couldn't, like, unless you knew this, like, like a weird random site where you could watch Twitter updates or, like, <laughs> you know, like, you couldn't find out about these races. So I guess it was like, okay, people, if people found me, they could actually have a look into this world of women's cycling and, and find out a bit more about it. So it sort of started like that. And then, yeah, so a year of racing later and, yeah, one year on YouTube, it's kind of, it's kind of mad. And it's, 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 I guess I never really expected it to get any sort of traction. It was more just like, oh, you know, if one more person sees it, then it'll be a good thing. And I, I did it for the love of it, but I think currently we're about 5,000 subscribers and I, I think even just that is, is a big achievement and... I'm just happy to be able to share my adventures with with the world, really. Yeah, that's really awesome. I was just talking about that with another person that I interviewed, just about 
how there's so much media out there about cycling, but so few uh-huh. of it focuses on women's cycling. Yes. So that was yeah. like a big thing I wanted to do with this podcast too, is just, because uh, as far as like, I mean, when I'm training uh, and I want to watch like some videos to get pumped, I don't care which red hook I'm watching or what, you know, which yeah, uh, yeah. field I'm watching. And, uh, and I think that it's just, yeah, important to put a spotlight on that basically just because yeah. the more that you put it out there, the more stoked that other women and other people in general can get on it. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess that, you know, it's, it's, I, I've kind of found myself in, in a bit of a niche, you know, there's not as far as I'm aware, there's not any other women racing on the road at my level who are doing anything like me. I mean, there are other female cycling bloggers. Uh, you know, there's some brilliant ones. For example, Juliet Elliott mm-hmm. comes to mind. But I think that that insight into the professional road racing world wasn't really catered for, especially on YouTube. Like, I think, like, I didn't really think that I would like that I would find a niche but I suppose that is that is it (laughs) (laughs) for sure um I think that yeah that's really cool I mean I'm a big fan of your YouTube channel so I was like I'm gonna message Kira and see if she wants to do this and you said yes so that made me happy (laughs) here we are um so so this year or last year 2017 that was your first year as a pro Yes. Yeah. So I suppose I was semi-professional for a number of years before that. And then last year was the first year I received a salary, as it were. And um, and yeah, unfortunately, this year I'm I'm not a paid athlete. So. So, yeah, it's, it's been a change. I ended up with anemia um, sort of start of 2017 and I, I just really struggled to be getting the results, and you know, I just I couldn't I couldn't really get back to the fitness I needed by the end of the season, and and yeah, you know, that's that's the the reality of cycling. You know, if you don't get the results, then you know you might not have a team or uh, that sort of thing. But I, I'm I'm I don't really regret it. I think I think I'm happy that. I le- like I learned so much from it. I can't really feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah, and you can't That's really true. like your health isn't something that you can always control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that from having that bad experience and you know sort of struggling along for that year, I've gone right. Well, you know, actually, I need to you know learn why my body's doing this and how to look after myself a bit better, essentially, and go forward into 2018 a little bit faster but generally just a little bit healthier. <laughs> yeah, feeling good is, the, I think, the number one uh, thing. Oh, it's so, so. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so important. Uh, and I think cycling is such a mental game as it is a physical game. If you're not, you know, if your body's not in the right place, you can't really, you can't really get the results because your head's not going to be in the right place either. Yeah, exactly. So what is 2018 looking like for you as far as racing goes? And, and what are you thinking about this year? So I'm still planning to race fixed gear crits, which I'm really excited about. And I'm due to be going to Belgium to race over the season. So I've got a Belgian team out there. And yeah, so going to race some big sort of UCI races, classics, 
and that sort of thing. I won't be doing world tour stuff, but I'll be doing a lot of the sort of lower level UCI stuff, hopefully, which will be which will be good. And sort of hope I'm hoping that I can get back to the level I was at in 2015. Wait. Let me think. I'm really confused by the years because yeah. it's just 2018. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a blur. <laughs> basically, basically, the plan is to, you know, get back to my form of fitness and hopefully exceed that. It would be lovely. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. So the races, uh, are, you, are you still doing track stuff? So I've done less and less track over the years just just because it tends to be in the winter when I want to sort of not race so much. And I've, I've decided this year not to race really any track because I just wanted to properly let my body recover and then come back for, for a racing season end of February. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. But as far as track cycling goes, what's your history with that and what are some of your favorite events that you like doing? Oh, so I, I've raced quite a few track leagues and that sort of thing and national championships over the years. I think... Probably my best ever result on the track was at junior track nationals. I ended up third in the scratch race by some fluke attack. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I've been all right at track. I've always been better on the road. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've, just, I've just always really enjoyed racing track. You know, it's indoors, which is always nice when it's cold outside. Um, I just love the speed of it as well. And you just have a completely different sensation and technique to on the road. And yeah, I mean, I've always liked fixed gear bikes. They're just so simple. And, you know, it's just you and the bike. There's nothing else really to, to think about, which, which I, I've always really liked about track. Absolutely. I think I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's just such a fun thing. And, and I think that a lot of, I listen to a lot of cycling podcasts and they like rarely ever talk about track. So I was like, part of this is like when I get people on that, like race track, I want to like highlight the events and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a- my favorite, my favorite event is probably, I mean, I love a good elimination race. Oh, those are my favorite to watch for sure. <laughs> or devil take the most, as it's sometimes called and a good scratch race. Yeah. I- my favorite. I love watching the elimination races, especially like the pro ones, just the intensity, every single lap is just so insane. <laughs> it feels like it gets faster somehow. Like, yeah. I don't know if it does, but. <laughs> you just like, they just pass that level where like they're hurting, but then they're like, I got to keep going. And you just, every time. I think that yeah. that proves just how much of cycling is a mental game too, because yes, I guarantee yeah. you the first time you do it, you're like, I don't have any more gas in me. And then you just go <laughs> and then you're going around. You're like, I don't have gas. And then you have it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a good, it's a good race to watch and to do. Yeah. That's really awesome. So, uh, you mentioned your love of fixed gear bikes and this podcast is about that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you have a gorgeous bike. So, Ooh. Do you want to talk about that and what you got going on as far as like your setup? <laughs> so the setup that I rode last 2017 for fixed gear crits, I have a custom built fixed gear bike called a Vice bike, and it's it's manufactured in Brooklyn. It's handmade. Um, 
handmade bike. But what's unique about it is that the rear stays are sort of attached diagonally. I can't really explain. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how else to it explain looks it. looks like uh, it's bent or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it defies physics, this, yeah. this rear stay. Anyway, um, it's super awesome. It, you know, it's black with white, very nice handwritten white graphics and a particularly cool sort of okay symbol on the front uh okay hand sign symbol i don't really know what you would call it <laughs> um i've got and on it i've got spin on these carbon wheels which are amazing they're the best wheels that i've ever had they're, they're just like super wide and they just work for fixed gear crits i've got some victoria tan wall um is it corsa tires on there Mm-hmm. very nice indeed got some gosh what are they called 3t scatto bars which are carbon <laughs> bars uh 3t stem rotor crank set and a gold chain because you know why would you have any other colors <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do you have the do you have the steel or the aluminum frame i believe that it's steel but it has carbon forks I yeah think that's right yeah, I know yeah. that. I just know that they make uh, they have a Columbus steel, or you can get a Columbus aluminum frame. Yeah, and they both so come with a carbon fork. My teammate Jeremy rode the aluminium frame bike, which is sort of sil. I think he had it in silver, um, which is a different sort of ride feel to a steel bike. But what's great about steel is it's just super comfy, and with the carbon forks as well, I just feel like it's a really good combo, especially for fixed gear crits you want something that's super sturdy and you know he's gonna whip around those corners yeah that too how does it feel riding that thing with the stays does it do you feel a difference from like a traditional kind of frame i mean it's it's difficult to say because i've never ridden a, a steel frame before this one oh, okay for a bike. my previous bike was a chinelli parallax i had the math edition Chinelli Mash Parallax or whatever it was Um, and I mean the Chinelli was still a super sweet bike to ride but I think that maybe the Vice was just felt like a little bit more a little bit stiffer I mean I don't know yeah it's hard to say I mean they're both awesome bikes but I feel like the custom aspect of the Vice is what really nailed it for me because it was you know perfectly set up Whereas I think the Chinelli I had was a little bit small. <laughs> yeah, I need to do something like that because I have I have short legs and I have a long torso and like every bike is just like needs so much tweaking and mm. I'm just like I just get a custom bike at some point and I think that I want to get one of those Vice bikes. They're just yeah, I mean they're so beautiful. Just for the cut, yeah, I mean they're they're pieces of art really. Yeah, plus um, I want that steel, you know, I want to. Yeah. Especially yeah. on the crits, like on the rough roads, whenever they just have the filled-in potholes or whatever, <laughs> it'll be nice to have a little, <laughs> a little bit of a smoother ride, I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Be awesome. <laughs> so you're doing a 30-day video challenge for your YouTube yes. channel. How's yeah, that going? Yeah. Well, we're on day 14, and I have done 14 videos. <laughs> So it's going all right. It's going all right. I've only had one slight blip. I can't remember when it was exactly, but I uh, I did a live stream from a hotel on my 3G, and I didn't realize that I completely ran out of 3G halfway through it. Oh, no. 
alas, there is a five-minute video there. It just isn't complete. Yeah. <laughs> the 3D wrap. Hey, you still but did still, it. So. I still technically did it. So, yeah, the 30-day challenge is going strong. I mean, the reason I decided to do it was because I sort of was like, okay, you know, one year, let's celebrate. Let's try and do something that's going to challenge me and hopefully gain a slightly larger audience going into my racing adventures next year. So that's sort of been the plan behind it. And also just as a sort of creative challenge, really, I mean, I was making only one video a week in 2017. So this has been something completely, completely different. And I hope that I can hopefully, hopefully the plan was to try and learn the software better learn the, you know, get my workflow more efficient and that sort of thing. And yeah, I'm hoping that, in 2018, it can mean I bring out a lot more content, which is sort of the plan. Nice. What are you shooting your videos on, mostly? Well, I usually am shooting on a DSLR, but I uh, had a little bit of a nightmare because I lost my charger cable about two or three days ago. So since then, I've been shooting on my phone. And I keep getting like trolled in the comments, like your footage is blurry. <laughs> you, you know what? Why is it so soft around the edges? I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing I can do about it. So when Amazon hurries up and delivers my cable, we can be back to that crispy, crispy footage. But yeah, I'm just shooting on my phone and on a GoPro. Yeah, but to happens. be honest, it, it really doesn't matter what you shoot on. I, I really don't like my dslr it's not a fancy one it's just one that vaguely autofocuses, and i use it for like the studio sort of set ones where i'm just talking to the camera but to be honest when i'm out riding it's pretty much just a gopro or my phone or you know i think the most important thing is that you're telling the story rather than uh, spending money on an expensive camera <laughs> yeah i mean i have i have a completely similar view on everything so i'm like if you want to get into racing, I'm just like, get the bike you can afford and just do it. Because once you do it, then you can, yeah. you know, you can exactly. advance from there. And same with filmmaking, because I, I also have a filmmaking background, which I think I mentioned already. And uh -huh. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned in every episode of this podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always been like, if you have a phone, then shoot stuff on your phone. If you have a DSLR, great, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, when I get my YouTube channel started, I have a, I have a Canon T3i I think I'm going to shoot on. And then my wife oh. doesn't want to deal with like focusing and stuff. So we're going to get her a point and shoot. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think that would be my next buy. I was looking at something like a Canon G7X or, you know, something along those lines that's just a point and shoot. Exactly. Know, really good quality point and shoot because for when you're riding and stuff like the kind of content that i want to do is very like action orientated so getting a fancy camera doesn't really aid that too much for sure yeah i think i'm gonna get the canon g9x which is like a little bit below the 7x and it doesn't have a flip screen but uh -huh. it still has autofocus and the same size sensor and it's like 200 dollars cheaper <laughs> this is true this is true yeah so anyway i'm all about the flip screen though just love framing myself in yeah. the picture <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> trying to put my head on <laughs> yeah i get that so uh i want to get into what what do you think about like what attracts you to keep racing fixed gear and like what do you think about the community and does it feel supportive 
especially of like women cycling from your perspective yeah i mean i think one thing that struck me the first time that i got into fixed gear crits is 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 the it's it i think because it is a newer sport in a way it feels as though it's more equal you know it's inherently equal because you know it just started that way like the prize money is just the same and they don't make a big fuss about it because they think well you know it should all be the same but the reality with road cycling is there is you know quite a big difference between men's and women's cycling um so i think the my initial thoughts at red hook were like what we get to go on the podium with the guys like this is awesome like (laughs) you know and and i just i i felt that this the the community was very supportive and all that sort of thing the only time i felt that the community wasn't maybe so supportive was when danny king came to london red hook crit and lapped the field i think then everyone was like oh she shouldn't be allowed i'm like yeah but you have a race where anyone can enter and that's that's the reality oh yeah yeah i saw (laughs) that video too (laughs) you know and also i feel like you know if I mean, I, I'm not Danny King, don't get me wrong, I'm not anywhere near her standard, but in a way I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm a top-level road racer, but you treat me differently to her just because, you know, she got this one result. Like, I don't know, if 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 someone else... Like, there's plenty of women who race Red Hook Crit who are also racing, you know, that sort of level. I mean, for example, Fleur Farr rode for Ale Cipollini, which is another uh, top UCI team. And, you know, had she ridden off and lapped the field, would she have got the same thing? And I think, yeah, you know, maybe not. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the only re- only time I've thought, like, guys, come on, <laughs> really, <laughs> like, get over it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, because there is the also the other side of that, where if you look at the bigger context, there are a lot of UCI people or whatever, or pro road racers that come over and they don't get results. Oh, yeah, plenty plenty yeah and you know danny king fair play to her you know she just came and bossed it and she was on the form of her life you know getting ready for the olympic games you know why wouldn't she ride off and lap the field you know and she came back this year and she came fifth so you know it's not that she was invincible it's just she had a really good race you know like any of us could have you know absolutely so so i think that but yeah, I think that gen- as a general rule, everyone's fairly, you know, fairly supportive of one another. And I definitely feel like it's a lot more relaxed than a road race. You know, it's 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 more about the atmosphere and the fun. And I think that's something that you don't really get when you watch people's vlogs and videos because they focus on the race. But really, I mean, I would say half the people who are actually racing are just there to experience the event and, you know, the social side of it and the after parties and to just soak in the atmosphere. Yeah, I think Kim Nonstop does do a good job at showing that part. <laughs> yes, yes, Kim is very good. I, I, I like her videos a lot. She's very funny. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so do you have any stories from the Red Hook that are funny or, or behind-the-scenes okay, stuff yeah. that people need to hear about? Yeah, I mean, one springs to mind now that you mention it. So, <laughs> oh, so this season just gone so 2017 red hook crit barcelona where you know everyone's finished the race we're all on the beach just you know enjoying the the better things in life you know sunshine and a sangria or you know whatever (laughs) the guys are selling at the beach and i i lock my bike up 
with everyone else's, you know, as you, as you do. And I went swimming in the sea. And what I'd done is I'd attached my key onto a hairband that I was had around my wrist. So it was fairly, you know, secure. I wasn't going to lose it. The problem was when I went in the sea, I was like, oh, I'll tie my hair up so I don't get it soaked. Problem is, I tied my hair up with this hairband and, yeah, it fell out in the sea. (laughs) (laughs) So, luckily, you know, I come out of the sea and I'm like, you know, just about to leave. I'm like, oh, shit, 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 shit. I'm like, oh, no, I've lost my hairband and the key. So, luckily, I had locked the frame just to the front wheel of the bike next to me rather than the frame. So I, ha- I had the help of Alfred Bobby. He rode with my frame with with a wheel like attached to it. And then I took the bike and then we had someone help like give give my friend like a backy on the bike. Anyway, we managed to get to Dawson Aventer and get like an angle grinder and like cut the lock apart. But yeah, it was an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Oh no, that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least you got yeah. it. At least you got it. You know, at least you got your bike. <laughs> and and you know what the worst thing was? So I get back to the hotel and I'm you know taking all my swimwear stuff off, and I uh, I take down my my bottoms and realise that the key with the hairband has ended up <laughs> in my bikini bottom. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, I did notice, <laughs> which is the worst part. That's horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, what's your favorite um, of the Red Hook courses that you've done? Do you like the more like technical stuff, or do you like a more wide open, fast? I think as an all round event, like if I was just to choose to do one, I would do Red Hook Crit Barcelona. The weather's good. The course is kind of technical and fast, fast and technical. It's kind of fast in in the backs, back straight, and then really technical around the finish, which is is really nice. I like that kind of mix, and it often has you know hairpins in it, and the location. You know, Barcelona is just an awesome place to spend a long weekend and hang out. You know. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, the weather's good. Yeah, I remember seeing everybody's videos this time, and it was like man that looks fun i need to get out there <laughs> yeah i mean barcelona is the one i would choose to do if i was to do any of the european ones purely because london it's a bit wet generally a bit cold and milan because it's in october is getting quite cold especially when you're racing at night yeah um you know i've seen the odd rider racing leg warmers at milan so <laughs> Was Barcelona the one that was like really rainy and sketchy this summer? No, that was London. Oh, that was London. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one where everyone was crashing. Yes, yes, that was the one. <laughs> uh, what was that like? Um, that course. Well, it and... got to the point where the the rain was so hard that it kind of hurt a little bit when you were riding along. Yeah. I it, hate it, was, that. it was. I mean, the qualifying was probably the worst of the rain, and then the final it. It was slightly better, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think, you know, dangerous enough racing a fixed gear crit anyway. Like, you don't really need the added, like, sketchiness of rain and greasy corners. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there, like, one corner that was particularly brutal where almost everybody crashed? (laughs) Um, 
I mean, there wasn't any particular corner that was like, oh, wow, that's really hard. But there was a lot of change of surface. Oh, so yeah. Back to, to kind of gravelly. To, and, and, you know, I think it was just people coming into the sprint super hot and they're pushing it anyway. And I think that change of surface, you just lose that little bit of grip. And, yeah. and yeah, you know, if someone comes down in front of you at that point, there's, yeah, you can't go anywhere. But did you stay upright? I did, yes. yes. <laughs> that's my that's main like goal in most. Yeah, that's my main goal in most things. I just like just want to stay on the bike. <laughs> exactly right. So, so what are you listening to when you're training or out on rides, or if you're a headphones person while you're riding? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really depends what sort of mood I'm in. I mean, at the moment, I'm listening because I'm doing a lot of like sort of chill rides, just going on little adventures. Um, like endurance rides, I suppose. I'm listening to a lot of um, like Jamie XX and Loyal Kana, which are kind of like so. Jamie XX is kind of like chilled out sort of dance music, I, I want to say. And then Loyal Kana is a British rapper, but he's sort of just chilled out as well. So, so yeah, you'll have to give them a listen. <laughs> I will for sure. I will absolutely. So out of all the rad races, which one kind of uh, appeals to you the most? I definitely think the fixed 42 yeah. is something I'd like to go, just because like 42 kilometers down the Autobahn in Germany, in the middle of Berlin, sounds like something that I feel like I need to do, you know? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's kind of one of those sort of more uh, well-known fixed gear races, so definitely that, but they have some, you know, they have fixed gear crits all over, but I think the fixed 42 is what stands out to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that uh, more like track bike, like road races sound kind of fun. <laughs> I just found out that there's a stage race in California. They have a track bike category. It's like a three-day race where you have a time trial and then a road race and then a crit. And then they have a track bike category on all of those events. Amazing. Yeah, so I, cool? I definitely want to go do that because that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> nice. And then I kind of want to do uh, the Red Bull Hill Climb. I think that looks really fun, too. Oh, yeah, that looks awesome. I uh, I was watching Kim's Kim Nonstop's video uh, from that, and, yeah, it looks really great. Yeah, I love, like, fixed gear climbing. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but it's really fun. Yeah, there's something, <laughs> yeah, there's something sort of do or die about it, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> like you will get up this hill if it if it kills you you yeah. have no option like you can't stop <laughs> yeah exactly i kind of got away from fixed gear bikes for a while and then i think the patrick seabase videos just kind of made me be like oh yeah i could ride a fixed gear up a mountain i'm gonna go try that <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely um he definitely romanticizes fixed gear for a lot of people oh yeah for sure <laughs> There's a lot of people that are doing that out here in Colorado too. Just like, just people that aren't making videos. They're not sponsored by anybody, but literally every week they're doing like 5,000 feet of climbing on fixed gear bikes or they're doing like, uh, we have like the highest paved road in North America, you know, like, but they're not, they're not doing videos about it or anything. They're just literally just doing it for fun. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get them on on your channel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I got one of them on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, are you coming? Are you gonna be racing on a team this year, or are you kind of 
freelance. It's not at the moment. I hopefully, you know, we'll know shortly, and you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll have a second episode with Kira. Yeah, when absolutely. When I know what the hell I'm doing with my life this year, or <laughs> in terms of fixed gear. Yeah, if you want to do a check in at any time, that'd be rad. Or if you want to like check in after a race in Europe and be like, this thing happened, and I'll be like, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure, that'd be awesome. Kira. Thank you so much for coming on the show. First of all, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be episode seven. Yes. Of <laughs> this podcast. Um, so, wow, I'm just really impressed I got the episode right. We just feel like we need to appreciate that for one moment. Yeah. Great job, great job. So if you guys are interested to know a little bit about about what I'm doing, maybe look at my YouTube channel. You can find my YouTube channel at Kira McVitie, which is K E I R A space M C V I double T Y. Um, so yeah, if you just type that into YouTube, you should find my channel, find all my stuff. Uh, if you're particularly into trap bikes, I would definitely recommend the Red Hook Crit vlogs. That they're, they're my proudest achievements, really, on my channel. And yeah, my social media is at ginger underscore biscuit and biscuit is spelled b-i-s-k-w-i-t so now you know you can find me on the interwebs and yeah see what i'm doing keep up with my track bike adventures and your tagline right you know if, if you've watched my channel you will know that you must risk it for a biscuit and have an awesome day <laughs> <laughs> right now my tagline is uh is riding track or go ride your track bike in inappropriate places but i gotta think of a new one (laughs) (laughs) go ride bikes and stuff (laughs) go ride bikes and listen to podcasts bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool yeah thanks a lot for doing this yeah no worries It's, it's been a pleasure All right, and that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, I've been getting so much support, and i just, yeah, having a lot of fun with this project. So so go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us an iTunes review. Five stars, please. Yeah, this episode was produced by David Draper. The music is from Vitamin Pets. And yeah, savethetrackbike.com, Instagram at savethetrackbike. Go ride whatever bike you want, wherever you want. <laughs>